Welcome to Iacon Underground Radio for the week of February 10th, 2016. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. I'm David. So we've got not a whole lot of news this week, but that's okay because we also have a new issue of More Than Meets the Eye to go over. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on issue 49, leading up to a big celebratory issue 50. Uh, but we we will get to that. Uh, first, news. And now the news. Don't touch that dial. Well, one thing we've got is some BotCon news about a new toy. Uh, I think, David, you brought this up first. Yeah, uh, right before, uh, well, right while I was editing the last episode, it turns out we're getting another BotCon Megatron. That A BotCon Megatron we almost got, like, a dozen years ago, was it? Or a decade ago? Yeah, the TF Wiki, and, and I'll link to this on the blog, uh, but the TF Wiki has some unused pictures, uh, some unused art by Dan Canna of uh, 3H's proposal to do uh, basically the, what was what was his Japanese name, Gigatron or something? Yes, Gigatron was his Japanese mm-hmm. name. But yes, the the car robots, uh, what became robots in disguise, Megatron, and and then Galvatron. You know, hand mode. The hand mode guy. <laughs> the, the, the guy of somewhere between eight and ten different modes, none of which looked that great. Well, robot looks okay, dragons, eh, and the hand is adorable. <laughs> However, the use of the hand in the cartoon led to those episodes being taken off the air shortly in the aftermath of 9-11. Um, yeah, that was bad timing. That was that was not great. There there was a a bit from the cartoon where the hand like grabbed a building. But anyway, the important thing is, uh, it's it's Megatron, Beast Wars Megatron, because uh, they're doing a Beast Wars theme this year. Uh, he is in Dragon Megatron, so season three, Transmetal two, Dragon Megatron colors. Uh, with Admittedly, part part of what I'm saying here is just going off the art, which, like I said, I'll link, which I have no reason to think they're doing, because I, I mean, I know that Dan Canna, has has Dan Canna done any, like, official art for Fun Pub? Uh, yeah, he's done some file cards and stuff. I, like, oh. didn't, didn't he draw some of it, or some of the strips? Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm, I think he has done fiction stuff, too. He did, yeah. uh, da 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 Balancing Act, Vector Prime, Descent into Evil, Dawn of Futures. But he did a lot of stuff. Oh. Okay, so he... More recently I, I covers than interiors, but he's done his share of both. Yeah. Uh, so, so yes, the the glimpse that we got of it is uh, from a promotional video for BotCon 2016, uh, which has a voiceover by David Kay, which is pretty great. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, and it's, it's wonderful hearing him do the role again, yes. even if it's... Very, very wrong hearing Megatron saying Kentucky. <laughs> it, it does feel odd. It's, it's a little silly. But, uh, but yes, it's, uh, Megatron introducing the Predacon combiners, who we've all seen at this point, uh, the Tripredicus Council, and then the Tarantulas and the Ravage. And then at the end, uh, it's not a toy mock-up, but they do show art, uh, which I don't know. I don't think that looks like Dan Canna's art so much. No. I guess it could be with the wrong coloring. Well, it, it kind of looks like whoever's been doing, well, did the box art for a while, at least. Was it? Uh, Marcelo Materi? Yeah, it kind of looks It does like look like stuff. Marcelo Materi's work. But it, it's just the head and chest, which are pretty much exactly the same design as the old Megatron that never got made. Well, it's also the same, very close, it's very similar in design to actual Transmetal 2 Megatron. Yeah, it's not that. Uh, it's just a new head with a oddly stretched Predacon logo. Yes. Yeah, well... I mean, the, the important details to note are that he's got that circle in the middle of his chest. Uh, he's got those two sort of diamond shapes that come up on the side, uh, which are, are... It looks like... Uh, I wonder if they're going to chrome that, do that in gold chrome. Maybe. That would be really cool, <laughs> they, and I... I don't know. Hmm. Well, they have used this mole before for Deathsaurus. And yeah. Was, I think the chest on that's chromed. I think it's... I have him in another room. I don't really want to get up and go get him. <laughs> it takes work. Uh, but yeah, you can I, tell from... Hmm? It was chromed on that uh, release. Hmm. 
So you can you can tell from the chest that you see that that's the toy that it's using, and you can tell from the head and also the voiceover that it's Beast Wars Megatron. Uh, he's got those two, I guess, four sort of fangy, clawy sort of bits on the sides of his helmet coming in towards his face. Uh, I mean, it's it's clearly Beast Wars Megatron. It is. Uh, he doesn't have a, or I guess, no, it's a purple face. Yeah, I guess it's yeah. pretty. I thought there was some detail like that that was off. But yeah, it is pretty similar. I mean, there's only so far you can deviate with that basic idea. Yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah. It's very much exactly the concept it was then. That doesn't make it any less good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a good idea. Uh, though, I mean, that's that sort of falls into the category of the original toy not being. I would say this is probably going to be just as expensive as just buying the original toy secondhand, which which seems to defeat some of the purpose of, of that sort of thing. But uh, oh, well, so uh, other news we've got uh, this this person who keeps leaking these pictures in black and white and all cropped up and like this one. So so he had pictures. I'm going to say he because this is someone who's obviously trying to, like, compensate for some sort of penis size issues, uh, but There's leaked. Somebody, somebody on, what was on Twitter, it was leaking like he's been leaking like from Titan Wars, just oddly cropped black and white photos of. Box. Uh, and well, there were uh, that same person did some Combiner Wars ones, too. Because oh, there was that, yeah. like, one arm of Computron, and there was, like, parts of uh, Lyokaiser. Uh, but yeah, yes, this person. Where they, like, crop it weirdly and desaturated it and invert the colors, and it's just, why? Yeah, yeah, I think this is the first one where the colors have been... Is this the first one where the colors have been, like, flipped? Uh, I think so. Were they so, the, so they leaked a, a Titan, a half a picture of Titan Wars Astro Train, uh, which does look pretty cool. Yeah, because well, uh, it, it's it's the Sentinel Prime we've already had pictures of, which is orange, and he looked kind of obviously like he transforms into Astro Train because he transforms into a sort of space jet thingy and a a train thingy that kind of looks like um, the Omega Supreme from what was that? Oh, uh, Energon? Energon. Yeah, that one. Yeah, it does have a very, I thought that too, it's got that very sort of Energon Omega Supreme train mode look. Yeah, so so if, if you change the, the orange and red into black and white, yeah, it looks just like Astro Train with a different head. <laughs> now, yeah, it is Astro Train. Big surprise. Yes. So, so yes, this time it's all like photo negative looking and like really? <laughs> Why? Why is this? Why is he doing this? It, it does seem weird that if you're leaking stuff, you're only leaking a twisted version of like half of it, if even that. Just leak it. it who cares? It's bad enough you're leaking, but maybe they're trying to crop out like identifying stuff. Maybe. But, That's possible. Eh, even then. But then the color changing is just like yeah, being the... a jerk. Yeah. Just being silly. Uh, so the, so there's that. Uh, other toy news. We've got, uh, I think uh, we were discussing last week how there were no good scale pictures of Masterpiece Optimus Primal, and then almost immediately there were scale pictures of Masterpiece Optimus Primal. Yes, because Japan from the Wonder Yay. Festival, the One Fest 2016, the winter one, I guess. So we got some pictures from that. Uh, looks like he is uh, going to be a little bit bigger than the, I, I assume that was the, the big Rhinox that just came out recently. Yeah, that's the Voyager. Yeah, the Voyager-sized one. So that's actually pretty big. Yeah, because yeah, Rhinox is, let me get out my ruler, uh, about 16 centimeters or so, 15. Is this Canadian stuff that you <laughs> yeah. rob? Four people might know. Fine, well, I'll use the other. Six inches. He's about six inches, and and Masterpiece Primal looks like he's a wee bit taller, like maybe half an inch taller, mm-hmm. a centimeter or two. So yeah, he's. I mean, I wouldn't say he's quite as big as the original, but he's definitely not small. 
He's going to be sort of in scale with Rhinox and Rat Trap, just yeah. not Dinobot that we got. Well, I don't have Cheetor, so I can't compare him. I mean, I guess that's, you know, we were talking about the, the cars mostly being in scale with each other and with the sort of in scale with the jets. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good scale to go for is in scale with the other Beast Wars toys they've done recently. Yeah, especially if they yep. make more that are basically the same size as him. If we get a Megatronic, God forbid, a Dinobot, although I don't know you'd exactly... Dinobot's transformation is impossible to make him screen accurate. Yeah, I I would be sort of curious to see them try, but I don't think anyone is going to succeed. I think his the only way to make it work is like part swapping. Like you use the legs and the torso, and everything else just gets thrown away. I was gonna say I'd settle for two Action Master Dinobots. I doubt I'd prefer that, but and one's just a dinosaur. Yes. <laughs> would they just use like a Jurassic Park Velociraptor mold? Pretty much. Can't think of a reason not to. Yeah, I, I could I could get behind that. I would support that. Uh, so the only other real news, uh, unless anyone's got any other ideas, uh, the only other news that has really come out this week was talk. And this is something that seems to come up. I swear this comes up every so often. Uh, but there was talk about Hasbro approaching Mattel about a merger. Yeah, apparently they approached him about a merger months and months ago. Mm-hmm. And and it didn't happen or something because it's like I think Hasbro at the time had was doing better, but now Mattel's doing better or something. But just the idea of Hasbro and Mattel merging together to form Hazmat. <laughs> yeah, that's who you want to be. I can't imagine how Mattel could be doing better. Yeah, Hasbro did just kind of steal a billion dollars worth of Disney Princess merchandise business from them. Yeah, that, that I, may have changed things. It, it, it's, it's wibbly-wobbly. They're close to the same level. I'm not sure how, because He-Man's not doing well, but maybe Barbie does a lot more business for them than I know. I, I, Barbie I mean, and then the juggernaut that is Hot Wheels. Oh, I forget Hot Wheels. Yeah. It's best to forget Hot... Well, it's best to forget Hot Wheels collectors. Yeah. <laughs> you suck. When I'd, I'd go to, like, Walmarts late at night looking at pallets for new new cases of stuff back when I had nothing better to do, uh, it it was always what the Walmart employees would dread would be that we were looking for Hot Wheels. <laughs> because they didn't, they would have stories of the Hot Wheels people they had had to deal with, the poor, like, night shift people at Walmart. And has, has the BotCon convention bumped up against Hot Wheels conventions before? I don't know. And you... That, well, I, I know I've been to, like, anime conventions when there were Hot Wheels-like conventions and people would not go over there. Uh, hmm. We have enough problems with our anime toys. The only one I can think of offhand was the, the great year where it was in the same, like, little complex as, like, a games workshop convention and a horror convention. Ooh. That sounds like it was <laughs> a fun year. It was It was pretty good. It was pretty fun. Was it back when Games Workshop didn't take themselves so dang seriously? Probably. It was a pretty long time ago. Huh. Before they started suing people for using the word space marines. Yeah, so uh, Hasbro and Mattel merging, it's probably not going to happen, because wouldn't that break antitrust or monopoly laws or something? It yes. might. It might not. The article about that actually goes into the possibility, and depending on how broadly or how narrowly they viewed it, it might or might not violate antitrust laws. Hmm. Like, if you I mean, just look at toys, it probably doesn't because there's enough other business, especially Lego. But if you're yeah. cautious enough about it to break out construction toys and only look at it like, okay, does this give them a monopoly on dolls? Very yes. Yeah, dolls, yeah. and figures, lots of things. Yeah. I mean, there are other toy companies, but they're, they're, the Trendmasters and Jack specific aren't that big. No. Yeah. Well, well, Funko has been doing a bit of stuff in the more, you know, yeah. adultish market. But they're still mostly vinyls and things. And the, the, the oh, whoever does the little retro thingies that have no articulation—that's Funko. Oh, yeah. Fun- basically, if if it's something that's made with a an insane number of licenses, it's probably Funko. Yeah. Because Funko basically has every license. <laughs> Yeah, so, well, yeah, if we're going, 
in America, it's Hasbro and Mattel are it. I mean, there are there's Bandai and other companies in Japan that don't get over here much. That uh, wait, who brings over the Power Ranger toys? Is that Bandai themselves? I think that's Bandai. Yeah. I mean, it used to be. I don't know about currently. <laughs> in the nineties. Yeah, unless Bandai expands and brings Gundam models over here in mass again. Uh, yeah. Oh, those were the days. Yeah. Alright, thanks. Thank you for listening to the Gen Reminisces about the <laughs> 90s podcast. Uh, I still have unmade Gundam Wing model kits. So, uh, so anyway, uh, that's any, anyone got any other news to bring up this week? Uh, nothing I can remember really. Some third party junk, but, uh, we don't need to cover that. Not unless it's really cool. Or really cool. I don't think fun. any of it's. Nah. Yeah, or really funny. Funny third-party stuff is also acceptable. So, more than meets the eye this week, guys. Yay! Hey, and as usual, it's written by James Roberts, and this time we have art by... Uh, hi- ah, let me do it again. Hayato Sakamoto. Hayato Sakamoto, yes. Uh, with coordination by Phase 6, which I know uh, I've uh, just based on being friends with him on Facebook and, you know, being longtime friends with him. I know one of the people involved with that uh, is a guy called a guy known as Hydra, uh, oh, who I, I hail do, Hydra. <laughs> yes, I, I do not envy him having to try to convey the nuances of a James Roberts script to someone who does not speak the same language as, as, as you know, Mr. Roberts. Because that's, that's a lot of words to translate. Well, I only ever see Hydra tweet in Japanese anymore anyway, so... Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's living in Japan now. Uh, he's someone who's been, you know, involved with the fandom for a very long time, uh, but especially in that uh, Japanese side of things. Uh, but yeah, he, he tends to tweet pretty much primarily for a Japanese audience. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure he... I'm sure he has a good enough grasp of both languages, being a native English speaker who is fully immersed in Japan right now. Uh, but still, I do not envy anyone just <laughs> even just the length of a James Roberts script. Just that's that's a lot to have to to deal with. Uh, so we've got colors by Joanna Lafuente again, uh, as as usual, and letters by Tom B. Long, editor John Barber, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, uh, we actually start out exactly where we left off last time. Uh, you have Freud and his patient slash collaborator slash terrifying monster in a cage, Sunder, uh, who is disinterring, as he says, uh, Skid's memories. A while back, we learned that Skid's has something that he doesn't remember that he tried to get Chrome Dome to help him with. And that does come up briefly here. And Chrome Dome was just like, no, you you don't need to remember that, bro. Just take my word for it. Let's let's leave that buried. And so here we're we're finally finding out what that that little plot thread was about. Uh, we almost immediately flash back to Grindcore, uh, where Skids has been uh, basically Tarn, as we learned last issue. Tarn is getting Skids to help him fix a a. Uh, big transporter teleporter machine uh, so they can send their prisoners of war off to these uh, sort of not terraforming cyber forming colonies uh, to basically work as labor. And Skids's roommate at this point is Quark. Oh, good old Quark. He's so grumpy. I love how grumpy he always is. Well, when you, re- you turn into a microscope, you'd be grumpy, too. Well, Perce- I guess Perceptor is also that grumpy, so. Yes. Well, on the other hand, that sort of makes me wonder about Brainstorm. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go shipping here <laughs> if I'm not careful. But as, as readers know, uh, Quark was someone who, uh, the Lost Lights resident mad scientist Brainstorm had very, very strong, if not necessarily or explicitly requited feelings for uh, to the point where he built a time machine to go back and stop the war. Uh, so uh, as we find out, Quark is Skids' roommate in Grindcore. And, and we know from the past that Quark died in Grindcore. 
We uh, did? I knew I knew he was dead. I didn't know he died at Grindcore, but I guess yes. I just forgot. <laughs> there, there's so many threads now. in this that, that it's easy to lose a few of them. Yeah, there, it, there's it, so it, much going on in this issue. It's And there's so much going on in this series. But yeah. but yes, uh, it had been mentioned that, that uh, Quark died at Grindcore. Uh, so basically, Quark is arguing with Skids. Once Skids, you know, Tarn pats him on the head and tells him he did a good job <laughs> and takes him back to his cell. And Quark and Skids have a debate over the morality of Skids helping fix this. Uh, Skids basically says that even Tarn has agreed to release 50 of the POWs in, in exchange for Skids' cooperation. And Skids is arguing that even if he goes back on that, uh, basically these labor camps that they're trying to send them to are still better than being in Grindcore, because at least if you're labor, they care about keeping you alive. You know, they have to make sure that you're actually taken care of. Whereas Quark, of course, just is a grump and thinks that Skids is, you know, shouldn't be helping at all. Uh, so we come Spoilers, back. He's right. Well, yeah. it's a good political argument. Is it worse to be a prisoner or a slave? Yeah, and that's and that's also just comes back to the practicality of it, you know, versus ideals versus practicality. Uh, Skids is being practical about it. He's saying that, you know, as far as you know, not considering all the the ramifications of morality and all. In practice, it is better to be a slave because at least they care that you're taken care of. Whereas if you're a prisoner, you could die for all they care, and it's not really going to make a difference. Locked in a hole. Yeah. Whereas Quark is, you know, arguing that, you know, morally, it, it's better to not be helping the Decepticons. So then we come back to the presence uh, where Freud, for some reason, has decided to let Sunder out of his cage. After putting his eyeballs back in last issue. Yeah, and I don't know how he says that this is the, the least, he says it is the least worst option. I, I yeah. How would it just... be, how would it be any worse if he was, if he stayed in the cage? It would would not. I mean, it may just be that Freud's a big liar. Freud's, yeah, he's broken. He's got issues. He's kind of lost it. Yeah. So the last thing we see is Rung basically telling his little thumb microphone to transmit something to someone. And then the next we see is, as it says in the uh, narrative, sometime later, <laughs> where... The, the ship's gone dark and tailgate, poor little tailgate on his hoverboard. So I, I love that he's just, that's his thing now, is he's just got this hoverboard. Yeah. It, it was not just a one-off joke. And he's trying to figure out where everyone's gone because the ship, you know, all the lights went out and everyone seems to have disappeared. And also he's finding graffiti on the wall saying, Mortalist saves. Yeah, well, and, and he was asleep from, what was it, like two or three issues ago when he did a big blast when Cyclonus got shot in the back. And... Oh, yeah. That was, he, he probably just woke up then. Yeah. yeah. I figured maybe he had been in his room not doing anything, not paying attention. Tailgate waking up in the middle of things is kind of his shtick. Aww. He's so good. Yeah, he does say that, he, that Cyclonus left a vial of his innermost energon by his bed that he found when he woke up. Uh, and uh, so the the one person he finds is Getaway, who, as we as we learn now, is basically in prison so hard. Which he looks like he's strung up like Overlord. Yeah. To be fair, his name is Getaway. Yeah, okay. Escaping it is shtick. So they've had to take off his arms and legs and mouth plate. Well, it looks like they're just probably bound behind him. Really? Kind of like his mouth plate is bound behind him? Well, no, I, I, I take his, his mouth being open as him silently screaming. <laughs> yes. Because of whatever Sunder is doing to everyone. That's what I'd be doing. 
Yeah, that's that's my interpretation. Yeah. But it, it's kind of horrifying because Getaway's face is not made to look like it, his mouth should open. No, that's not the first time it's happened. And he should be screaming because of the the balls that uh, Tailgate finds outside in the hallway. Yes, Tailgate finds a, a little some sort of little robot-y mechanical ball just in time for Rung to come up and tell him not to touch him. As it turns out, those balls are where Sunder this is it gets into some more than meets the eye is pretty great at taking advantage of the sort of body horror that you can only do in a story with robots. So Sunder, let me let me read. So Sunder edits your memory so you think your alt mode is the best form of defense and then makes you forget how to change shape. Instead of falling over, you turn yourself inside out. Yeah, it's well, it, it's a body horror I've seen in other things. Like there was an anime Blue Gender that kind of did it, but there it was giant bug aliens that would turn people into balls. This is Transformers exploding inside out and rewrapping themselves into a ball yeah. on their own. It's Freud. Freud describes it. <laughs> He says, I gather it's quite the most painful thing a Cybertronian can ever experience. Thanks. It, it looks here. like it. Be up there? Well, I guess he'll find out soon. I, I guess it might be more painful than lengthwise. <laughs> At least with lengthwise, oh, you then man. die. Yeah, it's over quicker. So, uh, so yeah, Tailgate is found by uh, Rung, who's got Freud and Skids both in tow. And Skids after a moment, starts freaking out, which they assume means that Sunder is nearby. And if Sunder Sunder is nearby, that means we're back to a flashback of Grindcore. Uh, So... Is it just me, or does Sunder look like if Prowl was an Ava? Yeah, I can see that. Maybe it's... He's a weird design. It reminds me of things that I can't quite place my finger on. Like, um... A bit like Cybertron Megatron... Yeah, I can see that. I feel like there's a bit of influence from, uh... Now I'm forgetting. He's vaguely the Fallen-ish, like the actual original uh, comic. Yeah, with, except with not on fire. fire. I can see that, Spikes too. and weirdness, yeah. yeah. Maybe there I mean, was yeah, that... It's, it's not the Fallen if it's not on fire. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's true. There was a guy in the IDW stuff right around the point where I stopped reading... There was a point where I just I bought the comics, but I didn't really read them again until uh, the death of Optimus Prime, which kicked all this stuff off. Uh, but there was a guy named like Turmoil, and he sort of reminds me a little of. I mean, basically, he just he's a big guy who's mostly black with some red accents, and he reminds he reminds me of big black colored robots with red accents. Yeah, yeah like Machine Wars Starscream. Yeah. So, so back in in the past, uh, Tarn is praising Skids for a job well done. He's finished fixing the transporter. Uh, he shows him a little video on his iPad of the the fifty POWs being released. So he actually, the Decepticon commander, actually kept his word, and he says that since uh, the the guy who they had who was supposed to be maintaining it, Snare. Uh, who I think might have been in Last Stand of the Wreckers. Yes, he was. Yay! Connections and remembering things. Remembering things is the best. Uh, Since Snare watched Skids fix it, then they don't really need Skids around anymore to worry about him maybe, you know, sabotaging something. So uh, he's going to send Skids off to this labor camp. Uh, Skids asks if he can trade places with someone, and then we come back to the present. And back in the present... Body horror! Freud is going to find out exactly how painful <laughs> that that is. Yes. Uh, Freud gets spherified uh, just before Thunderclash shows up, Rodimus' <laughs> least favorite fellow Autobot. Uh, oh, yeah, and, and Tailgate shouts his name in his font. Yes. <laughs> Local text is the best. Yeah, I love that, and I love that Thunderclash calls Sunder a ruffian. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's supposed to have a British accent because well, he's a two dude from Europe. Well, 
Well, yes, but also that's just also his colors are great. I I would like to note that the original G1 Thunder Clash toy uh, had the nickname Color Clash. <laughs> at, at one point, a friend of mine took one like like you know had one at BotCon or something and counted and and determined that he had thirteen individual distinct colors on his original toy. Plus, isn't wasn't there a gradient on at least one of his? Deco stickers? Probably, yeah. Probably. So, fortunately here, he's he's really just got four. It's mostly white with some teal, some red, and some gold. And um, even there, there's two shades of blue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have Action Master Thundercracker from that same time, and Ooh. he's got, like, two different shades of green on him, and he's an Action Master. Yeah. It's not, he's not big. So, uh... So yes, Thunderclass shows up with Megatron and Chrome Dome, uh, who is actually here for a reason. Uh, and they chase Thunder off. <laughs> he calls him a ruffian. It's, it's just, it's not that that's a silly word in itself. It's just a matter of scale. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's more than a ruffian. Especially since the next thing Thunder does is go back to the docking bay and Go into the ship he was kept in, and it turns out the ship he was kept in was made out of effectively the corpse of his brother. Yeah. Though first, one one other detail: the reason uh, Chrome Dome is there is again, like I mentioned, Chrome Dome was the one who you know saw what had happened to Skids at Grindcore and basically told Skids it it didn't need to be remembered. Rung's been slowly working him through remembering it. And when Chrome Dome shows up, he's like, don't tell me, Grindcore. And, and so Chrome Dome knows exactly what it is that, that Sunder's trying to draw out of Skids. And so even though he's always saying he's not going to do it anymore, he gets the needles out. And, and fixes and he, someone's memory yet again. Well, in this case, to be fair, it's, you know. To stop it, yes, but. To be fair, in this case, it's consensual, <laughs> but, well, but no, yes. That's not actually consensual since Skids is kind of unconscious. Well, Skids is freaking out, but on the other hand, Skids and Rung had already agreed he that has, it needed to be. He has the doctor's permission from the patient. Yeah, so they, they've basically, he doesn't explicitly consent to it at this moment, but but given their prior agreement, then... You know, this is this is not like Chrome Dome editing Prowl's no. memory of something he had done because he didn't want him telling Rewind. It's, you know, this is, it's yet another situation constructed where Chrome Dome has to do a thing again. He's promised never to do again. Multiple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's well, you know, that's and this is something I'm going to get to again in a moment. But but it's a useful skill. It's dangerous, but it's a useful skill. Uh, so he, Chrome Dome stays with Skids to try to, to re-block out those memories, and Rung and Tailgate go running after Sunder. And even Chrome Dome is like, shouldn't you leave that to the, to the fighters? Uh, but, but Rung has a, a secret weapon. Uh, so yes, we go to where it turns out that, that, uh, Sunder has basically a, the, the shuttle that he and Freud arrived in turns out to be the corpse of his dead brother uh what was it i wrote it down scepter Scepter, yeah with an re because british yeah and it turns into a great big exosuit also it makes the transformation sound which is not (laughs) the last time we're going to see the transformation sound written out uh actually was that yes it also did it when he turned freud inside out freud inside out and it's going to, in fact, show up uh, every time he turns anybody inside out. It says, ch-ch-ch-ch, well, ch you know. T-S-C-H-T-S-C-H-E-T-S-C-H-T-S-H-E. It'd actually be kind of interesting if when he turned Freud inside out, it was reversed. So it was like H-C-S-T. I I vote for this as most horrifying use of the G1 transformation sound. Yeah. Well, uh, no, that's yeah. coming up on the next page. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah. In general, the use of it for turning people inside out is most horrifying use of the G1 transformation sound. Uh, so, yeah. So he's got this giant, like, 
shuttle exosuit thing going on now. And Megatron and Thunderclash, well, mostly Thunderclash tries to, you know, talk him down and he turns Thunderclash inside out. Yeah, it actually peels his head in two halves and you can see his brain just sitting in there. Well, the brain ball case thingy. Lengthwise. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty horrifying. And yes, it makes the G1 transformation sound so wrong. And then Rung arrives, and Rung, apparently all his little model spaceships that he has are also remote control. They can actually fly. (laughs) And so he flies them all and basically uses them to destroy Sunder's eyeballs, which he needed to do his horrifying work. Well, he destroys Uh, one eyeball, and the rest provide a distraction for what follows. Yes. So... And and he's like, if if he can't see, he can't hurt you. And then Sunder, like, knocks Megatron aside. <laughs> like, okay, maybe okay, he can still he hurt can you. Still hurt. Yes, he can still move. He just can't so, move inside out if he can't see you. Yes, he can still do, he can still hit you. So tailgate, so Megatron's fallen on, on his ass. Uh, and there's a big old gun next to him, and Tailgate's like, come on, Megatron, pick up the gun, shoot it's a, him! It's a series of some of my favorite panels, just Megatron, pick up the gun! <laughs> Tailgate's yeah. shouting at him. And Megatron just won't do it. Now, Tailgate is standing by the rod pod, because they're in the shuttle bay. Uh, and, and Megatron won't do it. He doesn't even, at first he doesn't say anything about it, and then he, he tries to talk Sunder down. He's back down, Sunder. He says, no, crush you instead. Disengage and no one else need get hurt. Just keep talking, it helps my aim. So Megatron is refusing, basically. He's trying to talk down this lunatic. And then Tailgate picks up the rod pod. <laughs> Which, keep in mind, is a ship that Tailgate can ride in. It's, <laughs> it's a he, ship that, like, a dozen Transformers would yeah. fit inside. And it's a ship that an issue took place inside. Yes. And he throws it at at Sunder in his big shuttle armor, and that does Flattens the job. Him. Flattens him. Good job. And Rung says, how could you possibly? He says, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I have honestly no idea, because everything is very British. And so we get to the epilogue, uh, where first Rung is tendering his resignation to Megatron. Uh, because, uh, as was revealed in the last issue, uh, on his last ship he was assigned to, uh, basically he had been disbarred or whatever the, what the equivalent is, uh, for getting too close to his patients, not, you know, not practicing his profession according to the proper guidelines. The proper robocratic oath or whatever. Yes. Uh, Basically, all of Sunder's, you know, all of Freud and Sunder's big speech about what Sunder could do, uh, which also happened to include the bit about what Rung had done, uh, he had recorded all of that, uh, at least audio, and then sent it to Megatron. Uh, so Megatron was then able to go around getting the lights all shut down and telling everybody to hold up in their quarters until everything is taken care of, which is why that's how things were when Tailgate woke up. But yes, that also involved Megatron learning of what happened. Megatron feels that, uh, as he says, no, I won't accept this. You've spent your whole life forgiving other people's mistakes. Why should you be denied that same kindness? And he says that he feels that Rung's patience should decide whether he gets to continue practicing, but Rung feels that that's offensive to his profession and sort of storms off as best he can. And and then, even though Ultra Magnus hasn't even been in this issue, we still get a brief shining moment of the new best ship in <laughs> More Than Meets the Eye, yeah. the Eggs Magnus ship. Because <laughs> Rodimus shows up. Because Rodimus, good to see you're in better shape. Did you come up with that joke all by yourself? Ultra Magnus suggested the pause. Yes. <laughs> Rodimus was one of the guys that got turned inside out. Yes. <laughs> Apparently Megatron and Ultra Magnus conferred on that joke. <laughs> and uh, 
so Rodimus has the medical report from Velocity, which I think this is another good example of while Velocity may be a great character, I don't know if she's really cut out for being on this ship because they get in so many medical related (laughs) catastrophes. Yeah, they've gone through what, four different medics on this ship? Well, I mean, they've, they've usually, it's not like they usually die. It's no, just, only one of them has actually died. It's just that they tend to encounter, it's like, weird things. it's like a TV show. It's like a, a hospital procedural or something, or like, I don't know, bones or whatever, where you have this doctor who's always having to figure out these weird medical cases. They're always having these weird medical cases. Case in point, I can only conclude that acute stress-related trauma caused Tailgate Spark, already uniquely susceptible to mutation as a result of the background radiation generated by quantum travel, to evolve. Evolve into what? What is he? He's a new breed of outlier. Enhanced strength, abnormal speed, and vulnerability. So basically, Tailgate is now super-powered. Yes. It's so great because I I like to think that that big rainbow flash that happened mm-hmm. a couple issues ago with was his magical girl power up. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't get an actual transformation sequence, but I think that was his his magical girl power up. So yes, now little bitty tailgate is super strong and has uh, like invulnerable and. <laughs> I guess it couldn't have happened to a better bot. And then Megatron, uh, Rodimus confronts Megatron about why he didn't shoot. And Megatron confesses that he's basically, he has renounced violence. Which is dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Megatron, I mean who will, I will never hurt another living creature. Megatron. After seeing, you know, being confronted by... The, the real visual sign of, of everything he had done on the Necrobots planet. And then what happened with Tailgate, where he just sort of freaked out suddenly and, you know, could very well almost killed him. He, he has now renounced violence, which is a pretty great twist for a Transformers story. Yeah, well, he's already caused the death of more Transformers than anyone ever. Yeah. As Epilogue 2 goes on to remind us. Yeah. Yeah. Epilogue too goes on to remind us. So, so Skids and Quark are headed off to the transportation thing. Uh, and apparently, uh, Tarn was so impressed that Skids asked that Quark have his place that he said that Skids should go too. So Skids is, they're all a bunch of these Autobots, a bunch of these prisoners of war getting into this big round chamber to, to be teleported off to another planet. Except then it suddenly, the doors close behind them, and it suddenly starts getting really hot. Like, really hot. And then... Tarn as, plays music, which... Yeah, he plays he the Empyrean it. Suite, which, yeah. I mean, he's he's into that, and that's also something that's been connected to Skid's repressed memory. Just as it starts to become clear that something is really, really not right there, Skids gets teleported away up to some sort of viewing platform where Tarn and some of his buddies are up watching. And Tarn has, like, a little Energon cube that he seems (laughs) to be drinking from that's, like, you know, a glass cube sort of glass that that one might be drinking a liquid from. He had a fancy decanter on his desk earlier. Yeah. He's so great and so terrible. <laughs> and so, so uh, yeah, as it turns out, the machine that he had Skids fix was not a teleporter at all. It was a smelting chamber. And he has, he lets Skids see all, you know, Quirk and everyone else who he had been, you know, thought he was basically saving by helping fix this machine, all being melted to death. Ah, the old smelting pool. Man. Man. This is smelting stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, shit's got dark, yo. That's, that's my catch. 
But yeah, it's, I mean, the smelting pool in G1 was always one of the darkest things. And yeah, it's. So now we know how Quirk died in Grindcore. I, I feel like I shouldn't, but I also can't not bring up the parallels with the World War II genocide. That's. Oh, yeah. That's not, given, given how much James Roberts likes to bring in various real world political parallels, I don't think that's entirely, you know, uh, not worth bringing up. It's a very British comic thing. Like, this is almost directly on like 2000 AD kind of stories. But yeah, Skid Skid says it's an incinerator, a smelting chamber. Tarn says, I prefer teleport chamber. No one cues for a furnace, do they? Yeah. So, yeah, he's basically, he he tricked Skids into helping him build the Transformer equivalent of a gas chamber. Well, he, he does have a working teleporter since he teleports Skids out so he can watch everybody else melt. Yeah, and, and he does, uh, I mean, he did actually let those 50 Autobots go. Because he had a video of that. Yeah, well, the first ones. So. Yeah, at least, yeah. It's, it's, just it's a combination. It, it does explain why the circuits kept overheating earlier. Because he's yeah. a smelting pool. Because they're smelting down the robots for some specific metal in them to create new Decepticon soldiers. Because making sparks is easy. Making new war-worthy bodies, that's something you need parts for. Yeah. Other people's parts. I I did wonder for a moment that, you know, if Skids is so smart that he's doing this, why didn't he know what he was working on? But then I remembered that really the way Skids works is that he would know, he would be able to figure out how to fix this thing that's in front of him that's broken, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to know what it does. Yeah. That's sort of how his learning works, is that he can learn, you know, he can figure things out, but he can't, you know, he wouldn't necessarily be able to tell what that bit of machinery went to. So, yeah, it, uh, that got dark. Oh, yeah. And issue 50 is coming, it'll probably just get darker. Yay! Apparently it's called The Dying of the Light. Yay! That sounds great. I didn't need my feelings. Dying of Light Part 1, which means there's more parts of dying. <laughs> Just dying all well, over the place. Considering they've already killed off the entire crew once, in a parallel <laughs> reality, how much darker can you get? It can get... I mean, it's 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 good. I like it. Yeah. I like it when things are dark. But, yeah, given that the tagline is Megatron battles his past as the most fanatical Decepticons seek ultimate justice... I think it's fair to say that this is going to be the part that people have been asking for where the Lost Light and the DJD finally cross paths. Yeah. Yeah. This issue felt a bit like trying to get everything into place. Like the A plot intercutting with the B plot of Skid's flashback. Mm -hmm. The B plot was interesting. The A plot was maybe a bit harder to follow, even if it was horrifying and had some really cool stuff happen in it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's already got to be pretty personal for for everyone on there, just the DJD. Uh, but that certainly brings it a little extra personal for a lot of them. Yeah. Poor Quark, he's so grumpy. <laughs> I I kind of wish we'd gotten back to the present to see Skids's reaction, but I assume that's going to happen next issue. Well, I think I. I am assuming that that's, you know, that Chrome Dome did fix it and that. Yeah, the, the epilogue, epilogue for two us, was. Not yeah. for Skids. Like he stopped right before he remembered what really happened. Mm. Yeah, I think that was for the, the reader's benefit. I don't think Skids. I'm, I mean, Chrome Dome got there in time and walled all that stuff off again, so presumably that, you know. That's been taken care of. Poor Skids. He's always so tragic. <laughs> In every continuity, he's always so tragic. I don't know. So, sometimes he has his good moments, like getting, getting washed. car wash, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, chucking Ravage down a well. 
<laughs> for like 60 issues. Okay, yeah. more like 40. So yeah, tragedy and fan service. Yeah. Oh, fan service would be Ravage pushing skids down a well. <laughs> I, I think tragedy and fan service could be a pretty good title for more than meets the eye, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the whole book is just tragedy and fan service. Though, of course, for more than meets the eye, the idea of fan service is like drawing wrong with his glasses off. <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> Having Megatron holding Minimus up to put the, the star on the tree. Yeah. It's pretty good. So, uh, does anybody know if there are other comics out next week? Uh, no, well, it's the th- either I don't know where to look or IDW's website's confusing. It's hard to tell what's coming out any specific week. It's, I mean, I think that's probably why there was so much confusion over, I mean, it seems like nobody knows until, at the very least, like, the review servers go live. Yeah, yeah their printing is tight enough that they'd find out if something's not going to make the ship date the week before it would have needed to ship. Yeah. So, it, it does look like, though, that uh, at least we won't have long to wait before issue 50. Yeah. Hopefully. So we won't have long for our feels to recover before issue 50. Yeah. Poor Skids, man. I've always liked Skids. It's fave. IDW, next week we are getting uh, adjectiveless Transformers, formerly Robots in Disguise, with the beginning of All Hail Optimus, and Transformers vs. G.I. Joe number 11. God. All right. Damn you, Optimus. Probably talk about one of those next week, then. And any news that happens to pop up in the meantime... All right, so I think that's it for this week. Join us next week for more news and more comics. (laughs) This is Jen. And Alex. And David. Good night. Damn you, Optimus. This is our planet. Get off it. (laughs) Nope. He wants it. Uh.